Eat, Play, Sleep podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country whose lands were never ceded. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. Hey mummies, welcome to Eat, Play, Sleep, the podcast for all the families out there looking for all the answers. No matter where you are in your parenting journey, whether you're experiencing the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, we can help you realise that you're not alone. I'm Claire, mum of two and a certified sleep consultant and school teacher. And I'm Alana, mama of two and a school teacher. Pop your headphones in and join us along with our favourite experts to discuss all things eating, playing and sleeping. It's time to spill the tea. Okay, guys, today we are talking cot to bed. This is a very stressful transition and we actually held off recording this for quite a while. We did. We were going to actually record this as one of our first episodes of the potty, but neither of us have been in the trenches with this or had been in the trenches, I should say. So we're now coming to you with a lot more wisdom. I should say Claire is coming to you with a lot more wisdom and I'm going to grill you on what that experience was like for your family. Yeah. And it's super easy for me to just tell people, this is what you do. La la la. This is how you do it. I did everything that I was trained to tell people to do. And sometimes that doesn't work. So yes, coming from a personal experience, I can totally get it. I understand. I'm here with you. Let's hope that today gives you that little bit of information to give you the confidence and potentially change a couple of things that might help this transition for everybody. Yes, amazing. And on the flip side, I am putting off this transition because I have a two and a half year old, almost two and a half, who sleeps so well in his cot. So maybe a good place to dive into this chat is when, when do we make this leap of faith? And what are some of the signs that maybe our little one is ready for this change? Moving into a bed at two and a half at the earliest is what I would recommend. The reason is impulse control. They just don't have it. If you can hold off closer to even three years of age, that is even better. People say, I've got a baby coming and quite commonly we have that two year age gap. So people think we need to get him out of the bed now so he's comfortable in the big bed and the cot is available for the baby. But If that's your only reason, jump on Marketplace, buy something cheap, borrow off a friend. That's so true. We're sort of both Marketplace fans. I know we both got our second cot off Marketplace and most cots now also transition into a toddler bed. But this will be something else that we'll be talking about. Do we think about doing a toddler bed or when we're doing this cot transition, is it better just to step up straight into a single bed or bigger? Honestly, it's just family dependent. If you have a queen bed and you've already got it, just go straight to it. There's no better or worse kind of bed. The only thing to consider is some beds are really high off the ground and previously the cot would keep them from falling out. So if you don't have a side rail and you've got a really high bed, that's probably when I would look at just putting the mattress on the floor. But again, it's just a personal preference. If you want this spare bed to be available for family when they come and stay, 
then maybe investing in a queen bed that will last a long time is better for your family. We did that exact thing. We had a king single mattress already in the cupboard. We thought, why waste money? Let's just use what we've got. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I've jumped a little bit further ahead with thinking about the bed. I'm already thinking of the room aesthetics, but let's rewind a little bit and look at how we would even start this process. So the first thing would be your baby is now two and a half or closer to three, preferably start having these conversations about having a big boy bed, a big girl bed, looking at books, pointing things out on the TV. I like to get the child involved in the process. As amazing as a surprise is, it can be exactly that, a lot to take in, an overwhelming surprise come bedtime. I find having them involved, looking at beds online, looking at different blankets and things can help them also get excited. I really resonate with the surprise element of what you said there, because as we might think it's fun to make over our kids' bed, maybe they're at daycare or on a play date and we decide to go ham in the bedroom and make it a big boy or big girl room, that could be a lot for them. So yeah, I love the idea of making them part of the process. It kind of empowers them through that. And we know that toddlers love choice and control. So giving them an element of do you want a pink sheet or a purple one or whatever they're into? I can imagine that would help a lot. Yeah. And if you don't want the sheets that have the Hulk all over them, choose three or four options and let them choose between that. So they still feel like they're in control, but really you've given them some choices. That's such a great tip. Now, what can we expect? Say we're night one, we've set up the big bed. We've talked to our toddlers. They know that this is their new normal what would that look like obviously different for everyone but maybe just help us get an understanding of what we could see so i'll tell you from our personal experience night one was a dream alfie went to bed didn't cry didn't come out and slept till maybe 7 7 15 in the morning it was like an ideal night i think the novelty of the bed was really awesome fast forward a week we started seeing tears and stay with me and coming out and it turned into a game. And I know this is very, very common. It's almost like the excitement has worn off and now we're not happy about this transition anymore. So how do you combat that? What can you do? Talk to your child, obviously, but what sort of things were we saying or were you doing in this time? I started creating a rewards chart for stickers. I made a social story with pictures of Alfie doing everything. And I started getting these rewards together. And a lot of these things are incredible, but they just weren't working for Alfie. He was asking for one more kiss, one more cuddle. Each night was turning into a little bit of a stressful, like I could feel those newborn anxieties coming back when nap time would approach and I was struggling to get him down for bed. And we went away for holidays and on holidays, he was in a big boy bed. And it was almost like this reset that Alfie needed because we got home and he would just go to bed, no more tears, no more crying. I think we took the pressure off. I was putting too much pressure on myself and Alfie to have it all figured out because it was like, if you can't do this, then you're kind of a failure at what you're doing for your job. I know so many professionals that say this in their field. If you're a nutritionist and you have a night of junk food or something and they think, oh, I can't 
you know, be on that other side because I'm supposed to be so good at this, but that's just so human, isn't it? And yeah. actually quite refreshing to hear that even the sleep consultants among us have struggles with bedtime. And I think as well, if you're on my Instagram, you can see I am very real about these things. I post little stories and funny things. And I think you need to show that real side because it's not going to be perfect just because I'm a sleep consultant, because Alfie's just like any other little kid. And we have all those common bedtime battles. I think it's just about what tips and tricks are working for my child. And it might be different for everybody. And that's, I guess, where my one-on-one consults do come in so handy because you could follow everything perfectly to a T and it still might not work for your child. That's so true. And I'm just going to rewind back a little bit because you mentioned social story being one of your strategies. Now I'm a teacher, but I'm a high school teacher and I had never heard of this before. So I'm going to assume that a lot of our audience also hasn't heard of this before. You showed me Alfie's one and it was so cute and I can imagine it working in a variety of different like situations and challenges. So can you walk us through that a little bit? Yep. So literally a word document and page one, my name is Alfie. This is my big boy bed and put a photo of Alfie laying on his big boy bed. Page two on the word document at bedtime, mummy reads three books. So it's basically a little story just about Alfie. It's personalized. It's got photos and it steps us through our rules. Really. We don't call out I get a sticker when I stay in my bed and it goes through all of our steps. And he loves reading that book before bed, before nap times. He feels super proud to see photos of himself in there. So it's just a really nice way to almost model and show your child the rules, the expectations and the boundaries you've set in quite a kid-friendly, fun way for them. Yeah, absolutely. And then they form an attachment to that story and they're learning their boundaries or the rules, but through such a fun way that engages them. So I thought that was really cool and one that you could use for a variety of things, like even potty training. Can you give us some extra tools that would help support this transition? Maybe some things that you've used. So obviously social story comes in here, but what are some others? The rewards chart was a massive one. Think about your child. What is their love language? What is their sticker language? So it could be Toy Story stickers, or maybe your child hates stickers. And there's an app that you can download on your phone where they get a little bonus point. You just got to find their love language and something that they want to achieve. So for our family, six stickers led towards a reward of Alfie's choice. And he could choose a baby Chino, a lollipop, or a kinder surprise. And I know a lot of professionals will say, don't mix food as rewards. But if you know Alfie, food is his love language. And that is exactly (laughs) what worked for us. Another tool was a grow clock. So there are different brands. And again, I got mine off Marketplace for $10. It comes with a little picture book and it's about Percy Pig. And he's super grumpy because he doesn't sleep very well at nighttime. So his friends all put money together in a sock and they buy Percy a clock. You set the time for wake up and you can set the nap times as well. So the clock is blue when Alfie should be in his bed. And when he wakes up the morning, if the clock is still blue, that shows that it's too early to get out of bed. And when it turns orange, it's time to get up for the day. That's in his social story. And he loves the idea of the clock. 
That's such a cool idea. I feel like this is definitely one that would be child dependent. I know my son Flynn with the clock, he's a little bit younger than Alfie, but he would just want to hold it. He'd say, Flynn, hold it, Flynn, touch it. And I just know that that would probably not be one that works for us, but maybe in time. Another really <laughs> good tip with this clock is we want our children to have that positive reinforcement and we want our children to achieve their goal. So on the first night of using the clock, I actually set the wake up time to 6am, which is too early for my household. But what that did was ensure that Alfie received his sticker on his first mm. day rather than waking up and he's really feeling a bit down about it all. So once we got the hang of the clock and receiving the sticker, that's when I went in and changed the settings and I pushed it back to 6.45. That makes so much sense. And yeah, you want to start it on a positive, don't you? You want them to experience the high, I guess, of getting that sticker and it being on the right time the first night. And then as the nights go on, they can slowly push out that um, wake up time. Do you have any other tips and tricks for us? One thing I noticed that you did when you sent um, our mum chat a video was that the cot was still in the room with Alfie. Can you walk us through why you did this and why this is a really good tool for transitioning? I actually moved the cot to the other side of the room and I put the bed exactly where the cot was. I figured if Alfie wakes up in the middle of the night and his view is the same as what it was prior, he would be a little bit more comfortable and not waking up a bit disorientated and confused. The other reason I did this is because we record podcasts and I thought if I have to and I'm mid record and he keeps coming out of his bed, I can just pop him back in the cot. But if that's mm. not the case, it's just a great tool to say, Alfie, I'm going to have to pop you in your cot if you come out again we can try again tomorrow to be in our big boy bed and just use that as a natural consequence for not following the rules we've set. Yeah, yeah, that would be something I think I would definitely look to do as well because then you've got the fallback as well. If you're having a really tough night, it's almost a security blanket for the parents as well just to know that if things really turn to shit, put them back in the cot and try again tomorrow. Every day is a new day. The only exception to that rule is if your child has moved into a big bed for safety reasons, then we wouldn't be putting them back in the cot. If they're climbing out of their cot and injuring themselves, that can sometimes be a time that you need to transition them earlier at the risk of them falling and hurting themselves. Generally, a sleep suit can hold them back from climbing. So if they're taking it off, you can put the sleep suit on backwards or inside out so they can't access the zipper. And that sometimes can buy you a little bit more time. Okay, so we've done the transition. Things aren't going very smoothly for us. We've tried to put the proactive steps in place. We've done the story, social story, the grow clock, nothing's working. What would you recommend? So this is the time where we call it the four R's. So we've got the rules, we've set them in place. The child's very aware of our rules. We have set the reward for doing the right thing. We might add some role play in there. Teddy's being a really good boy. Teddy stayed in his bed all night. Teddy's gonna get a sticker. And then the last R is returns. So what I mean is we're going to return them to their bed over and over and preferably silently. So you don't need to completely ignore them, but it might just be something as simple as Alfie, we know the rules, we need to stay in our bed and you return them back. Then I wouldn't even remind them of the rules and just say you return them 
15 or 20 times in the first night. That is totally to be expected. So from there, it would just be about silently returning them back to their bed over and over until they get the hang of it. Alfie kept coming out saying, I want one more kiss and I want one more cuddle or I need to do a poo. And it's one of those things like I know that the moment I call his bluff, he's going to go and do a poo in his nappy, right? So it's a hard battle between fulfilling their wishes. You feel horrible. They just want one more kiss, one more cuddle. But if you're going to keep doing it, it's going to become a game. So I started to set really clear boundaries. Alfie, mommy's going to give you one more kiss and one more cuddle, and then it's time for me to go. And I would just stay really strong and walk out the door at that point. And he does get the hang of it. The moment you start lying with your bub, rubbing their back to sleep, if it's working for you, that's fantastic. But obviously, if you don't want to sit in your baby's room for them to fall asleep every night, You've just got to try not to get yourself into that funk because they'll start expecting it from you. It almost seems like we're going back to the beginning phases of sleep training with our little ones. If we did sleep train where we're setting those good behaviours and routines, it seems like, yeah, sometimes if you do bend the rules, you can really put yourself back in the position of then having to unwind yourself from those routines that you built. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. It's literally consistency. So whatever you choose, be consistent because your children love consistency. Well, thank you so much for sharing as usual, all your wisdom. I love that we get to learn through your experience as well, because this gives me a lot more confidence to go ahead and do that transition, but probably closer to three. Yeah. And don't think that if you've got some sleep troubles that they're all going to be solved by moving to a bed. It's probably in your best interest to fix your sleep issues before that transition, because it's only going to heighten them when they can come out. Amazing. Well, thank you everyone for listening and hopefully we all get a good night's sleep tonight. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining us today at Eat, Play, Sleep. We hope you took something away from our chat today. And remember, we are all doing the best we can. If something is not broken, don't fix it. Our journeys are all so different and so are our children, so we shouldn't compare ourselves. If you liked what you heard today, please give us a subscribe and show us some love on our socials. See you next time.